Double Take is an extension of the award-winning movie review show Cinema Classics, which airs Thursdays at 8.01 p.m. on WCBE 90.5 FM, Columbus, Ohio. Hosted by John DeSando, this podcast features additional content and discussion with guests. I'm John DeSando. And I'm the guest, Mary Urena. And this is Double Take. We have a classic. Okay. In the making. Okay. And it's called Maestro. And when I was a kid growing up, uh, and you weren't yet born, uh, (laughs) I was well aware of Leonard Bernstein. And largely because of West Side Story, I mean, I knew very little about classical music. But his presence was everywhere. It was on television. It was in concerts. Mary, what what does Maestro catch for us? Well, Maestro is about Leonard Bernstein. However... uh, it's really about his relationship with his wife, Felicia, and his career is the backdrop of this story of their meeting, falling in love, getting married, and then how their relationship progresses through the rest of their life. And I think I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm sure we would have at some point. But you you could misconstrue this as a concert kind of film where we're going to be, Leonard Bernstein is going to be, I mean, the music is all his. Not all of it. Not all. Not right. all of it. <laughs> but, but right. Most of it is. Most and, of it is and played a, by him. Yes. And it's it's a musical movie in the sense that the music is a character almost in terms of it's used for the soundtrack at very representational points of his life. What music he was composing and creating yes. and conducting and how it overlays with what was happening in his life and relationship with it, with Felicia. And it reminded me that that's probably something that Bradley Cooper did with The Star is Born. Do you think they, that was more about music? That was more about music and more directly about music. And, and Bradley Cooper actually studied for quite a long oh. time to be able to not only emulate Leonard Bernstein conducting, but to actually conduct. And there's a recreated scene from the very famous career of Bernstein at the Eli Cathedral in the UK uh, where... Uh, Mahler's second symphony, the Resurrection Symphony, was very famously uh, conducted by Bernstein, and I think it was broadcast uh, quite extensively. And he recreates that for, um, I think, six and a half minutes of the film. He, yeah, if you were hoping to see Bradley Cooper direct, then wait and see this, because it is worth seeing. It's a beautiful beautiful rendition and the camera work is excellent it goes it pulls in close it goes out and you get the sense of the cathedral i'm glad you mentioned that because i think that it's six it feels like 60 minutes rather than six minutes it's so full right and it's one of the few times i mean there are glimpses of when he's conducting like the first time he conducted at carnegie for the new york philharmonic which somewhat opens the film and then you see him conducting chorus in rehearsal but you don't really see him conducting a full piece until very late in the movie at at this juncture where he conducts Mahler's second And I think that Cooper made a good choice as a director because, as you had opened up, it is really about him and his wife, which is for whoever he is. He could be a plumber. It's still (laughs) interesting. You know, it's still the relationship between the two of them. They're such firebrands. They're such such interesting people and such, 
She was a theatrical actress. Acclaimed. Yes, and and she had had already been on Broadway and yeah. had been doing very good work to very good reviews when they met, and you know these two creative forces come together and decide to join their lives together. It was an interesting journey because we now know more about Bernstein's life than we knew while he was living. Okay. He died in 1990, so it's hard to believe, but he's been gone for 33 years. Yep. She actually died of lung cancer in 1978. Really? Why would that be? So, <laughs> well, like Golda, which also has another similarity <sighs> yes. to this film with regards to makeup and prosthetics, uh, cigarettes and cigarette smoking is... Uh, again, another character in the film, which Boy. is shocking based on today's standards. Oh, Mary, <laughs> Mary, and I keep watching him. I, I don't think that Bernstein, as depicted by Cooper, is without a cigarette in this film. Very rarely, uh, except when he's at that doing the Mahler. You know. And except when he's caring for Felicia, who is dying of lung cancer, <laughs> at least he had the good sense to not light up in her presence. And he then, was just about 70 years old when he died of emphysema. Big surprise. Oh, wow. I mean, they're, they are an advertisement for please stay away, don't do that. But they are constantly, constantly smoking. Yeah, and I'm not, I mean, I know that was part of the image we have of Leonard Bernstein yes. was part of the lifestyle back then, but based on today's standards, I think they could have made the point without it. Boy, Mary, you were being you're a speaking, distraction in the you're film. You're speaking my language about violence, sex, and so on. I got it. Don't do you don't subject me to two hours of it. I got the point. <laughs> yeah. So I can't. I'm so yeah. That that's a, that's a great one, and I'm thinking that all the way through. But it is truly characteristic of him to be having a, a cigarette dangling from his mouth. The opening scene is really a, a a great one when he is in bed with his lover. I mean, this yes. a part of the film. Is, yes, is that he is gay, and that is a part of the complexity of his life. Although I don't think he ever apologizes for it he doesn't apologize for it and and we learn that felicia very early on said she knew who he was and she accepted that yes um one thing that the film the film implies that he only had extramarital affairs with men when in fact in real life he had extramarital affairs with men Uh, and women ah And he did, in real life, as I learned, did go to psychoanalysis or some sort of psychiatric therapy to try and understand and or cure himself of his sexual urges, but then eventually gave up. But he apparently was in therapy for five years trying Uh. to work through this. Oh, so yeah. There were some things that in a two-hour film you definitely have to take liberty with. Of and, and so those types of aspects were cut, which, to, again, to the filmmaker's credit, and we should note that Bradley Cooper, as a filmmaker, you probably won't find anyone who co-wrote the script, co-produced the film, directed it, and started it. <laughs> um, this was about a six-year project for him. Oh. And um, you, you see it in the quality of the film, the artistic approach to telling the story, as you were saying in the opening scene. I love the way he framed that shot. Is it like, a, is it a window? It's a window with the shade drawn. So yes, you're that's only right. seeing the outline. Yes, of, it's like a picture. Of the sun coming through. <laughs> yes, and yes. you can see in the shadows that he's gotten up out of bed, 
a lover is in the bed yeah. and you see him on the phone, but it's all done in somewhat of a silhouette. Yes. That just that little crease of light coming through and the this, edge of the window. This is an iconic moment. It's what I love about docudramas. They put me right there on a moment, a singular moment, when he gets a call that he has to conduct the orchestra because Bruno Walter, who was the guest, he was ill. He was ill. And somebody else was stuck in a storm. So that he, as the assistant, as the assistant conductor, he had to conduct without rehearsal. Oh. He had to step up onto the podium in Carnegie Hall in oh. front of the New York Philharmonic and conduct. And that's actually a true story. Most of the film is, is very factual. There's very little that wasn't factual. And it's told in a very beautiful, loving way. For those of you who don't like black and white film, I would encourage you, one, to see this because the black and white is so beautiful with the modern technology and so beautifully shot. It was almost jarring when they came back to the very saturated color. Well, Mary, as always, when I'm with you, that is when your husband, Bob, allows me to be with you (laughs) here. Uh, And I was going to ask, you know, he's the president of Pro Musica, isn't he? he? So I hope he saw Maestro. He did not see it. He saw the difficult. He saw the trailer and opted no opted not to watch it with me. He'll appreciate that once again. You've brought him into the show somehow. Oh, that one. <laughs> you mentioned that it is not a great film. Do you have uh, any specifics for for that? I do. First of all, the contrast used between the black and white and the color, and I understand they were using it to portray the time period in the story, when things would have been in black and white in our lives in terms of broadcast videos, television, movies, etc., and when things would have transitioned to color. And the timing and look of it are combined. So you can tell when we're transitioning into the 60s and the 70s, but the black and white is so gorgeous that the color, the switch to color looks very oversaturated and rough. And I actually ask myself now, what are they trying to achieve? I realize the time periods. Right. uh, And that's kind of standard. Forget the color, this black and white. It's just, it's beautiful because, of course, it's even better than it would have been 30 or 40 years ago. Right. It's so crisp and clear. It's so crisp and clear. It's just, it's beautiful. (laughs) The the other aspects were there were um, some scenes that I thought felt very out of context. For instance, for those of you who don't know, Bernstein composed the music to the ballet that Robbins? Jerome Robbins, Robbins, um, choreographed called On the Town. Yes. And there's a scene where that's being rehearsed where Felicia and Lenny kind of run into the theater and they see it. And then all of a sudden they run up and they're sitting on stage as kind of characters on stage in the bar that the sailors are in. And then all of a sudden... Lenny's dressed up as one of the sailors and is dancing. And so it, to me, that was very incongruous because I was like, wait a minute. And then I was like, I think it's a fantasy scene. Then there's another scene where, and it's still in the black and white period, where he's, his shadow is conducting and you see Felicia standing in the wings kind of illuminated and his shadow is over her. Again, it's a fantasy yes, scene, a but it, it's a little heavy handed. And then there also was... There are certainly references to, but not overt sexuality in his attraction to men, the number of 
affairs he's having, what that must have been like for Felicia. But there's a scene where he comes out to greet his sister, Shirley, who's played by Sarah Silverman. Cool. With her new baby and her husband, who happens to be Daniel Oppenheim, who was his lover (laughs) earlier in the film. Yeah, he does make a good comment. And he makes a comment that to his, you know, luckily it's a baby niece or nephew that... I've slept with both your mother Mother and your father. father. (laughs) And I, I was like taken aback by that because I thought one, it was, it was gratuitous and unnecessary, but two, it implied an incestuous relationship with his sister. And that bothered me. And I thought it was a very poor choice to one, write it and two keep it in the film. So when I say it's a good film, it's not a great film. Mm -hmm. Those are the flaws that I saw. And I think sometimes as an artist, you can be so close to a work Mm -hmm. that without any perspective, you, you miss those types of things in your storytelling. I wanted more of his relationship with his daughter. I thought that that was a very important moment when he lied to her about his sexuality. Right. And a profound moment. And I, I wanted a little bit more from that. I don't know why. I just thought it was a really dramatically very important part that reflected the duality that this film is really about. I mean, it's his marriage and it's his uh, homosexuality. And two of these mix in together. And he, probably better than anybody I've ever seen, worked both of those. almost lack of conscience. I would agree. And it's a pretty amazing performance by Bradley Cooper. And in fact, that story or that scene is actually true. And it's in the daughter's book that she wrote um, about her father. According to her, she never actually asked him about it again. It was a very profound scene. I think the editorial choice, I would say, was correct in not focusing too much on the children. Yeah. Because it really was about Felicia and Lenny. Right. And, and the same logic for not overburdening it with music. And, and that's where I think they did a good job of keeping yes. it, but providing that context of the children and the children learning about... The older daughter represents the children learning about the true nature of their father and the marriage between him and Felicia. So I thought that was enough of a scene for that. I'm I'm so easy to please. One of the scenes when he's at the piano and they're working on Fancy Free or Our Town or whatever, and Jerry Robbins is right there. And then from the background, we don't even see him. Aaron Copeland. Yes. You know, I'm going, I'm going. You know, this kind of stuff thrills the hell out of me. I mean, these are, these are talk about iconic. And he's just tossing it off and we don't even see him. But he's there. And of course, he might have been there. Yeah, he's, he was actually a mentor of Leonard Bernstein. So it made sense that he was there. I know. Absolutely. Made, but just to hear that and so casually and say, this is like a friend or somebody, Aaron Copeland and even Jerome Robbins. My gosh. Actually, for some of our uh, listeners, they would know the, uh, what was the film called On the Town? Oh, with Gene Kelly with, and yeah. Frank Sinatra. And-, and it's so interesting that, that most of us knew Bernstein because of West Side Story. And that, w- that was my familiarity with him. I only came to know more of his works uh, as I matured in life. But West Side Story was the st- standard reference point that I had to Leonard Bernstein. And I will say the film is shot because they, they show tons of parties they show, which was very true to life, that the Burns, 
Stein's hosted numerous parties at their New York home in the Dakota. And in fact, there's a really great scene where Felicia and Lenny are arguing during the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and you see parts of the parade going past in the window, which was just well, you see just Snoopy brilliant. going by. This is great. You do. But they, <laughs> they shot it in a way that it, it's intended to make you feel like you're an observer of the scene, very intimate often. But there was one scene, again, I found it distracting, and, and I, I'll never have a chance to ask Bradley Cooper why they chose this, but it's when Felicia finds out she has cancer, yes. and the doctor comes in, sits yes. down, never, you never see his face, right. and the speech he gives her about her cancer was yes. one of the most insensitive things yes. I've ever seen, yes. and I'm like, one, I hope that didn't happen in real life, yeah. and two... It just felt so cold. It, it was distracting. Again, a choice that I found as a viewer to the story to be distracting. I, I didn't make as much demand as you did on it because I, I immediately put myself into the situation. How do you tell people that? So I thought that was just a variation of how you might do it, but I like your criticism better. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> Thank you. When, when you have a maestro and a Broadway actress sitting in front of you, and you kind of toss off this as if it were scripted. And it was a speech. with It wasn't a conversation. Right, 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 yeah. And it was, this is what you have, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to do it on Monday, okay? <laughs> you know, it, was, it, it just was, it was very cold. It was, it was too clinical. Even for the era, I think it was... Yeah. It was a little too clinical without enough humanity. Oh, Mary Arena is always so delightful. Uh, it, it, we can't do justice to what, what I think to be a very, I would agree with you, a very good film with some flaws. Easy two hours of watching. Uh, and, and Bradley Cooper infuses such enthusiasm in this role that I, I suspect is very true to what Bernstein had. That big smile, those great upper teeth. Uh, yeah, we and, haven't really touched on his performance very yes. much, but he, he really, even his voice, yes. he did such a phenomenal job. And it's, it, it's not a character imitation, which makes no. it even better in that he brought the struggles and he brought the humanity to what I'm sure is just scratches the surface of what Bernstein's life was like. And he, and he does it in, in just a beautiful way. There are arguments about the prosthetics and that a Jew, if you have to do that, a Jewish actor should have been cast. Well, and and similar- Sarah Silverman has actually made the comment that, that she was only one of few actual Jews who were in this movie. And yeah, but I will tell you this. Well, I remember, uh, who was it? Nicole Kidman in the hours mm-hmm. had a, not a good nose job. <laughs> This one is really good. It's actually really good, and it and it, what it did when you because you see a clip of Leonard Bernstein at the end of the film, and you so you have a chance to really think about yes, how good. close did they actually look, and they used I, Bradley Cooper does not have a small diminutive no. nose. They enhanced the nose that he had so that his, I mean his nose is much pointier and. They just enhanced that without making it exactly like Leonard Bernstein's. Yes. And, and it was effective, I think, because of the hair and the tan and you know yes. everything else everything they did works. to really help you believe and then the performance to back it up that this is a really good portrayal of Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> and and uh, you know, there's been a kerfuffle initially before anybody saw the movie about the nose. And yeah. I'm typical myself. I'm saying, yeah, what do they need to do that for? You know, I'm saying to myself, they, they don't have to do that. But 
the minute I saw it, within 30 seconds, I'm forgetting. Well, he had such an iconic look. It would be hard, I think, to sell a performance that, had, that didn't bring that, yeah. the iconic yeah. things yeah. about his features to the fore. Yeah. And we reviewed the movie Golda early this year, yes. where they chose to do very heavy prosthetics on Helen Mirren so that she could look like Golda Meir, also a heavy smoker, ironically. Yep. But they'd made a different choice with Liev Shriver, who played Henry Kissinger, and they made a different choice <laughs> here. Did. It's a reverse <laughs> choice, because Felicia was a beautiful woman. She was known for her fashions. She oftentimes wore premier gowns for designers to introduce them. So she was very well known and very well covered in the press, but they, they only really used makeup and hairstyle for Carrie Mulligan to evoke Felicia Bernstein. And, and she comes across beautifully. Some, they have a couple of scenes where they sit back to back and they pick a number that somebody else, the other one is thinking of. And I thought they were very fetching. And if you want to give an idea of what either one saw in the other, that, that's, those are good scenes to say, yeah, they really do love each other. Because uh, as you said, she really knew from the get-go what, that, he, you know, that he was... Get that he was gay. Yeah. And she was ready. But what I also like about the movie is that it even gets to her. Yeah. That separation gets to her at some point where you think she's impervious. She knew for, she knew what she was getting into. And then she sees him with somebody else. Mulligan is such a good actress. Yeah. You just got in that, you know. Well, it, she did a really wonderful job portraying over time how the weight yes, of all of that yes. was affecting her. Felicia. And in some respects, it's hard to watch, but these are such two stellar actors at their best portraying this relationship, which is, they deeply loved each other. And at the end of her life, he was with her every step of the way. After all they had been through, he canceled performances. I mean, he stayed with her, which is a tribute to the deep love they had for each other and and to a certain extent his career overshadowed hers but but she also was able to maintain a very high profile very high career and in the end they found a way for their love and relationship to work and and she really was his she wasn't his muse but i think at one point she's referred to as his anchor Yes. Not in a negative way, but in she keeps him oh, centered. for sure. It should be noted that the Bernstein children, of which they had yep. three, approved of this film, fully supported the choices that Bradley Cooper made. And in fact, they did not film in the Dakota because you're not allowed to do that. The children did allow them to, to film the Connecticut scenes Ooh, at the Connecticut house. Home. <laughs> So that was really interesting yes. how invested they were in, t- in telling a very and sometimes painful part of their family story, yeah, yeah. And, and they were fully supportive of it. So All right, Mary Arena, the movie is Maestro. It is now streaming on, on Netflix. Netflix. What do you advise our audience? It is a good film, very good film. I take that back. Yes. Very good I film. Like <laughs> And it's so worth seeing for the artistry of the performances behind it. And I think that we will have both nominees, Cooper, and she will will be nominated for Oscars. And I think they may both be Golden Globes. And the other nominee, I think, will be the makeup artist. Oh, gosh, yeah. I really do, because (laughs) of just how stunning they both look. (laughs) 